Welcome back to another episode of Baxter's Buzz. I am your host, Baxter E. Hall. Welcome to my brain. Welcome to my frequency. Enter at your own risk. Today, I have Dr. Mary Cooney. Uh, She is an intergenerational inclusion consultant and catalyst. Um, Dr. Mary, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to, to Baxter's Buzz. Well, thank thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I tell you what, um, you you connect with people, connect with people through like LinkedIn and that, and mm-hmm. we don't always have the pleasure of actually getting to know folks. And so I'm just thrilled that we've been able to get to know one another. And I'm I love the work that you're doing, and I'm looking forward to you know, hearing more about it and, and, and sharing that with, with my audience. Cool. I'm, I love talking about generational inclusion. So I'm glad that you're interested and I'm glad that I get a chance to talk about my passion. So let's yeah. do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. So your title as intergenerational inclusion consultant, tell me yeah. what that means. Well, it means in the workplace, we do have up to five different generations uh, right now at work. And so that's obviously quite a large uh, age range. The largest that we've had in many, many years, if ever. And as a result of that, we have a lot of different perspectives on life and practices, and we have different ways of communicating with each other. And unless we have a good grasp on why people have these differences, it can cause a lot of um, friction. Yeah. Uh, this not knowing well, why are you doing that, you know, and, and kind of get for some paranoia. And, and what we see, you know, the, the stereotypes, the name calling, you know, the millennials, they just, you know, are entitled or these boomers, you know, they're just stuck in everything. Uh, and not necessarily so true. So my thing with the intergenerational work is to say, we really are in this together and, and we're not going to succeed unless we can, you know, build this feeling of team, uh, like inner varsity, everybody, no matter where you are, we're in it together. And when, you know, you talk about diversity, equality, and inclusion work, you know, the real goal is the inclusion. Um, Yeah, we can have all the differences, we can make sure that people are, are, you know, being treated equally. But until people feel like, no, they're included, they're welcomed, they're respected and seen for who they are, we really haven't accomplished these goals. So that's why I kind of like to say, no, I'm here to help make the inclusion happen. And the catalyst is sometimes you just need somebody to help, you know, get some sparks going. Yes. And that's what I do. Yeah. Well, I tell you, um, the catalyst piece is, you know, it's it's the part, you know, I have a lot of conversations around uh, diversity, equity and inclusion. We talk about it um, at, at work. Right. We, we you know, we were talking before we went on air about 
um, we had um, a, a session, our internal uh, uh, committee, we, we invited, we had a good turnout. We did some role playing. We talked about some microaggressions, right? Uh, we also do some, some um, consulting um, for, for clients um, as far as like external work, right? So we're, we're working on it, but there's, there's always work to be done the intentionality behind it and whenever I think about teams I think about rowing not that I have done it much but I just think about everybody sort of rowing in the same direction and it's not about we have to get on one accord we got to figure out how to how to make this this thing move and, and, and progress if that's what we're trying to do and it may take me learning about your tendencies your your um your why right your background all these things they may go into why you go go about things the, the way you do and if you don't have that empathy that true curiosity um you end up just spinning in circle and and not really make making any real progress um so how did you get to this point and when did this sort of light bulb go off to where you say, you know, I, I want to spend more time sort of helping other people identify this and, and help these intergenerational, you know, workplaces, you know, kind of move as, as one unit. Well, it started back around 2007, 2008, I think. I, uh, my, my previous career uh, was as a university professor and it was right about then when I experienced a sea change in the uh, temperament of my students. And I didn't expect it. I really didn't know what was coming. But all of a sudden, these students appeared in my class and they were not gonna let me even start teaching until they understood why. Why they had to take this class, why it mattered and how they were gonna use it once they graduated. Mm. And I just, I was, I was totally taken aback. My first response was to say, you can't talk to me like this. Yeah. I'm the teacher, right. you know, I'm the authority and, and you're the, you know, the ones that are here to follow me. I knew I couldn't say that, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what bothered me even more was that I couldn't readily answer that question. Mm, wow. Deep down, I knew why it mattered, but I'd never been forced to articulate it before. So in the process of me going back and kind of doing this little inventory about, well, why does it matter? I realized I had material in my syllabus that just was not relevant anymore. I'd mm. more or less been teaching the way I'd been taught and mm. even using a lot of those materials. And I also dawned on me, I needed to update. There was things that needed to be um, covered and explored, you know, yeah. in the new millennium. And just by doing that in itself, helping me clean house, suddenly kind of woke me up and got me from, took me from doing things, you know, same old, same old, and the other thing I realized, because I was the mother of a millennial, that as 
you know, younger students, uh, these folks were very interactive in, in their learning. You know, they did not just sit in their little desks and have the teacher tell them to do things. They, they worked as teams, they were exploring problems, they were experimenting, they were, um, you know, coming up with their research outcomes and whatnot. So I had to change my methodology and in answer to the question, well, how are we gonna use this once they, we graduate? I set up simulations of how a client might hire them and allowed them to work as a team and that my, my job as leader was to guess, give them kind of a baseline of information, make sure they had a real clear deadline, know when this, you know, that when this was due, uh, make sure that they knew how to access resources. And I was there to offer support throughout, but otherwise I had to give them as much autonomy as possible and flexibility and, the outcomes just blew me away. These sophomores in college were honestly doing graduate level research. Why? Mm. Because they could access it and they were driven, you know, they had a fire, they wanted to find it. And because they're so tech savvy, yeah. uh, the way they could present, I never could have imagined ways, yeah. you know, ways of doing that. And so that's when I just had this big, Oh, like a conversion mm. <laughs> experience. So, so I, I went from who are these people yeah. to who are these people? Yeah. So a few years later, when it was time for me, I no longer needed to be teaching full time and I could make a transition. I still teach time. I, I was hearing all this trash talk about millennials going to work, how they yeah. weren't engaged, how they were lazy, how they thought they were supposed to get everything handed to me. And I just thought, no, 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 no. Um, this is really not who they are. And because I'm a boomer, I also understood why they are such a shock to mm. boomer bosses. So I kind of can, can cross that divide. I have empathy, you know, right. but I can also hope, you know, help them understand that, that this is not such a big sea change. We do share the same values. We have different ways of going about them. Yeah. And that all that really needs to happen in the workplace is that we rearrange the furniture. Mm. It's, it's, it's not totally turning anything upside down. We just got to rearrange the furniture because we do want that goal of business success. And um, we just kind of got to set aside a few of those, but this is how we've always done it. And yeah. um, so that's, that's how I got to be where I am. The thing that has changed since I got started and I've been doing this for five years is that now we have to give some equal uh, time and attention to the fact that yes, lots of boomers are retiring and we do need to make sure that there's the knowledge share and the leadership development on the part of younger, for younger generations. But also a lot of these older workers want to keep working. So yeah. how are we making, creating opportunities for the older workers to stay in the workplace and create opportunities for them to do things like step down retirement, 
it's just simple part-time, more mentoring opportunities and uh, upskilling, you know, uh, things that will make it possible for this intergenerational connection uh, to keep being a positive. Yeah, um, no, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And I think that, um, you know, you, you say it so matter of factly, and it, it, it makes complete sense. We also know that there's a lot of resistance to that. And I'm sure all the professors weren't going, oh yeah, let's relearn everything that I've been doing for the past X amount of years, right? And why was it important for you to, to accommodate you know, those requests and, and, and like those demands essentially for, for that generation, for the millennials when, when, when you start to notice the shift? Well, uh, I think, first of all, I am a creative person. I, I come from a creative background and I like to connect. When creativity works, it means we're making connect connections. Mm. And I... Uh, that I, I just thought, I, I think I became curious. I just mm. thought, what will, you know, well, what will it take? Clearly, <laughs> this isn't working. Hmm. Yeah. So what will? Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, what kind of, what's the next new thing? The other thing is that I was working, I was teaching as a lecturer, and that's something I chose to do because I could focus more on pedagogy, on the teaching, versus some of the uh, politics one has to do working through the, um, you know, tenured system. And I knew, as almost like a business type proposition, that if these students really didn't like and resisted what was happening in my course, which by the way, was a requirement for graduation, uh, they could just quit. And oh, if you don't know, for a lot of millennials, it's not as urgent for them to have degrees as it was for us. So they didn't necessarily have any problem just walking away from it. Well, if I didn't have students in my class, I didn't have a job. Oh, what does that sound like? Yeah. yeah. I, I had a business interest sure. in keeping them engaged, in sure. keeping them wanting to come back. No, so that's real. That's real. On yeah. me to be somebody that these people wanted to engage with. And as a result of me uh turn, you know, kind of tuning up uh, you know, or, or re retooling my process these students then began to, to, uh, to trust me. They yeah. saw, oh, she does want to meet us where we are. Oh, she's yeah. trying. Yeah. Well, then they started trusting me and it became easier and easier for me to lead because I am not saying that they came knowing all there was to know. Now they might want you to think that. Uh, and, and sometimes that kind of bit of grandiosity is a, a bit of a cover up for sure. you know, insecurities. Sure. A good teacher, a good parent knows that. So I wasn't going to get wound up in any kind of power struggle. But just to say, okay, and what if? And and they would start to let me 
you know, take him to places that earlier they had resisted. Let me ask you about, um, I, I, I got so many questions and I, we don't have enough time for this particular conversation to go back. Into, but, but what I am fascinated about is, um, the, so there's a, there's a group of folks that think that the younger people, the 20 year olds and 21 year olds in the workforce now are still millennials, right? They, they everyone yeah. underneath is the, a millennial, right? They don't realize there's a, a new generation that's in the workforce, right? <laughs> but as a boomer, um, and, and a lot of the boomers that are in the workforce still, they're in leadership positions, right? Yeah. <clears throat> How, what did you notice was, was sort of the, some of the biggest uh, impediments for the, the boomers sort of connecting with the millennial generation and even, is it Gen, Gen Z, right? I mean, yeah. that's, um, can you speak about from a high level, like what, what are some of the differences in connecting with millennials and then uh, Gen Z, uh, whether you're a boomer or whomever, like what, because these are the, these are the new folks. These, I mean, you know, these are the people that are the future leaders of your organization. How, how do you connect with them and how may it be different from um, what you've done in the past, past generations? Well, I think uh, the number one challenge is that we boomers grew up, and this is the same for traditionalists, you know, who came before the boomers, in top-down management styles. Uh, you work your way up through the ranks, and the higher you get, the more you get to make the decisions, give the directions, and everybody below you follows. And, and, and the more compliant one is, the more they build, you know, merit. And then the more they uh, are able to, uh, you know, build their way up the ranks. And much of this comes from the fact that, especially in the traditional scratch uh, generation, almost all the men, uh, traditionalist men served in the military, Second World War. And that provided a whole lot of stability and security coming out of the Great Depression. And because we won the war, that military system of leadership certainly looked to be a pretty good one. I knew exactly where I belonged. I knew exactly who to listen to. I didn't have to spend a lot of time, you know, inventing, reinventing wheels. Yeah. So why not? And us boomers, for as much as we got, got the benefits of, uh, you know, a big uh, economic surge after the war, we did take to heart those lessons from our traditionalist uh, parents that yes, we like we can, the world is our oyster. We can get anything, but we did have this feeling of you've got to work your way up. You don't just declare it. And you, you know, yeah, we can prosper, but you pay your dues kind of thing. On the other hand, millennials and Gen Z have a much more egalitarian uh, view of life. And, uh, you know, we could get further into how, by the way, boomer parents raised millennial children <laughs> to uh, have this notion more of shared power 
And if you, and a little sense of, look, if you know how to do something, why on earth wouldn't you be promoted into it? And, and, and a little shorter sense of time span that's needed uh, to work my way up. Why? Because of technology and how fast the world is moving, how much faster I can learn things. Yeah. And oh, don't forget that we parents raise people to say, uh, to, um, to believe you can be whoever you want to be. That's and right. We're always giving them awards and promoting them whether they pay their dues or not. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, you know, a whole lot of um, things that come to that. But, mm. but this notion of just age as the reason or, or previous rank as the reason, I can't go there yet. It doesn't ring as authentic. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's another disconnect between older and younger generations is uh, the way that we communicate mm. much faster communication and the way that the world, the pace that the world's changing at, mm. again, technology being at the root of that. So um, they, they say that I'm on the cusp, right? So technically I'm a millennial, although I don't always identify um, with, with some of that stuff. Yeah. Talk about what a, a, a millennial, a, a Gen Z um, person coming into the workforce or starting a new, a, a new job, uh, what are they looking for? How, how do you keep, you know, we talk about employee engagement, right? Yeah. How do you keep these folks engaged and how do you, what are they looking for? What do they want? Okay. Well, and of course, uh, please know that I paint with very broad brushes. Sure. Sure. Um, There's lots of individual exceptions. So absolutely. And I think sometimes people uh, put down uh, generational, you know, studies or what have you, because they think, we're trying to say one size fits all. Right. It does not. Right. And it's only one segment of what makes a whole. Sure, community. sure. It's very nuanced. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And by the way, uh, Baxter, you would be referred to as a zenial, somebody on the cusp between Gen X and millennial. And like, that's even a thing where you've got your feet in kind of these huh. camps. And so, uh, no, you would not totally identify as a millennial and yet you're not totally feeling the exit thing either. <laughs> and the good thing about that is you're a bridge builder. You can actually kind of get what's going on in the different worlds. But I like that. Uh, I'll take that. I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, but Z's know that they are just now coming to work. Uh, you know, the oldest, maybe 23, 24. I've got to maybe recheck my, my charts here, but they're just now graduating from college. Yeah. And one thing that we do know that sets them apart from the millennials is they are not necessarily coming in with a burst of confidence, self-confidence that the millennials did. 
And to understand that, again, it's this whole thing of getting to know the backstory. And this, mm -hmm. by the way, is, you know, kind of where I come in to help organizations. Just once you can understand the backstory, that can go a long way in helping sure. you to start solving problems. But millennials were born in a time of economic boom, uh, a lot of uh, our tech um, innovations were happening then. It was, it was a, a good time. And again, they were born to an optimistic generation of parents. Yeah. And thing, Annie, you know, it's all possible. And we devoted a lot of time, you know, to kids more than ever before. And yes, 9-11 um, happened, but a lot of these boomers, I mean, millennials were older. In other words, they, they'd had experience with good times before that big scare happened, yeah. a big change. Whereas when the Gen Zs were born and even a little before, 9-11 happens and it's in the ether. Even if they're not super conscious, you know, mm -hmm. consciously aware, the feeling in the world is this is not a safe place. Mm. What's going to happen next? I don't know. You know, all the adults around me and the world at large are just kind of on pins and needles. Yeah. And that is not a safe way to get your first start. Yeah. On the heels of that, the Great Recession. <laughs> right. You experience parents, at one, if not both, losing a job. And because so much of that was around the housing puzzle, you know, bubble, maybe we lost our home. So you might right. have housing insecurity, but that can come food insecurity. And there's nothing harder for a child than to witness their parents um, struggling, knowing that there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. Insecurity, again, I go to school. And I am rehearsing for school shooters on a regular basis, even if never, never, one never comes. And the hardest part to me about that is knowing that if a shooter comes, I am not collateral damage. I could be the target. And that could make me feel very anxious. Mm. So kind of long story short, <laughs> And not to mention the whole thing with environment is yeah. got a pretty anxious generation here. Sure. And we know that the majority of this generation is on some kind of um, anti-anxiety medication mm -hmm. or mood stabilizer. And this is nothing to be joked about. Yeah. This is nothing to be like, what's wrong with you? And I think for us boomers, especially who did not grow up in a therapeutic world, yeah. uh, there's nothing about suck it up here. Mm. And so what uh, this generation, I, I'm curious to see how much more job stability they want. In other words, not changing jobs as rapidly yeah. I don't because of that. We do know they're going to save money. They're not going to be such big risk takers. Yeah. Um, and the best way to engage and keep them is to offer that support. Many will say when they do the studies, you know, like, well, what do you want? 
um, they will put mental health and other kinds of health benefits right up there. Yeah. Right up there. Make sure I know how to get it and that I can get it and that they are good. And then you want the teams and the leaders to be able to detect when something is getting overwhelming and to, again, offer that support. It's not a sink or swim world anymore. Yeah. Super yeah. smart, super creative, yeah. but um, just a little bit more work to, to be able to say in that psychological safety. Yeah. We yeah. care. This is a good place to be. It, I, I was thinking about this recently. Um, it just kind of hit me. <clears throat> and maybe subconsciously, I was already kind of getting there. But I thought, man, you know, these parents, you know, I'm, you know, parent of young children, right? There's a lot of ups and downs and stress and anxieties. I was thinking, you know, our parents, our grandparents, they were dealing with so much. And a lot of it was probably anxiety, depression. And we we had no clue that there wasn't even, you know, they, they were coping in ways that probably weren't the healthiest, right? And just not knowing, not not having those outlets and, and not the, the therapy, like you said, wasn't as um, available. accessible. And, yeah. and acceptable. There was a taboo. Mm -hmm. um, around getting that absolutely yeah. absolutely um yeah. <clears throat> you you wrote an article uh a few weeks ago uh uh it was published on the on the 15th of july um it's called beginning your generational diversity and inclusion journey this okay. is where it could take you and um i i want to end with with one concept that you that you um speak about here so what you 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 start with the year 2025 right and you kind of talk about this ideal organization that just received uh the nation's most prestigious diversity award for generational inclusion and in action right mm -hmm. now um the 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 piece that i want to talk about um is uh, this, I'm trying to find the word, this mentoring, this um, generational mentoring. What, what's, what's the term? It's, it's called uh, co-mentoring or mutual mentoring. Yes. That happens between the generations. So yes. it, it's a two-way mentoring program. Yeah, talk about that. Uh, yeah. The, the idea is that uh, a, you a member of an older generation, and when we refer to older generations now, it could be an Xer, that's or, right, uh, a boomer, <laughs> even a traditionalist, and yep. a, a millennial or a Gen Z. But uh, so they're teamed up with each other, and the 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 purpose is that, yeah, the younger gen is there to help their older gen um, buddy uh, stay current mm. with, you know, the snap, snap change of all things tech. Uh, I know I, I do have younger mentors, all kinds, and it's 
so this is happening, you know, what, what do you mean? And not have to feel embarrassed or like a dummy. No, yeah. I, I get to lay this out for me. And beyond that, just talk about emerging trends. So what's, what is happening now? You know, where, where are we going? You know, a lot more about the environment. Uh, what do we need to be aware of even here within our, um, you know, within our company? What are, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? Yeah. So, so they're there to keep me, you know, up on all things that are 21st century. And yeah. my job as the boomer is to help my young gen buddy really navigate workplace writ large, especially this notion of career. What does it mean to sometimes work through the politics of the joint? How do I, you know, how does a younger gen kind of talk boomer when needed? Um, and yeah, that this, you know, way that we run the place isn't always as egalitarian as it needs to be. But here are some ways that we can maybe do some workarounds or I know somebody that could be a good ally for you yeah. or let's work on a way to progress through the company and just kind of talk about those day-to-day -day, you know things that that bug me because one good thing about me as a boomer is I've probably been there yeah I probably had to get through it and <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you this is a little bit of an aside but this is where some of this mutual memory or mentoring writ large can proved itself during the pandemic. Had it not been for millennials kind of starting this whole notion of remote work and, and figuring out, insisting on working from home and connecting, you know, all the different ways we can communicate yeah. off-site. Can you imagine what making that flip Independent. Oh gosh! And like, if we've never practiced working away, yeah. and they were told a lot when they started to say, "I need some time and space away from the office, but I can get the job done." And time after time, they were said, "No, you can't. No, you can't." And they did it anyway. Yeah. And so then, ta-da! The Gen Xers from the time that they came to work were saying, "We want some work-life balance." Work is not my life. Yeah. I do not necessarily have to be the top of the food chain the way you boomers are. I'm not going to work 80 hours a week yeah. because it's not my meaning. My yeah. family is my meaning. Yeah. And so when we get into pandemic, there's, they're able to say, this is how you do work-life balance. Yeah. Yeah. What can the boomers do? And I'm not as positive that we did it as well as we can, but we can offer stability. We can simply say to younger gens, this is not going to last forever. We've been through hard times before. I'm not going to say anything quite like this, but we've seen this. We've seen this a yeah. few times. And I've got your back. Yeah. And come and talk to me. I can give you just some assurances that the sun will come up. And, and I'm here to help. Yeah. To the extent we can do that, I think we're playing our role. And so that's the kind of mentorship. That, that's awesome. I, I was reading this article and 
it was you were painting this lovely picture and i think that there's there's not enough of it although there's probably some of it less uh formal that's going on <clears throat> but there needs to be some more formal um mutual mentoring in order to have those proper those those knowledge transfers before mm -hmm. folks retire and also <clears throat> i think it keeps your younger generations uh aware of history and 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 makes them feel more invested mm -hmm. in the the organization that they're in right um and and it takes people such as yourself that really understand and really care um I, i'll i'll end by by kind of where, where we be, began um when you talked about 2007-ish, um, you know, and, and you, uh, professor, talking to this to this group of millennials, these young millennials, and my brain thought, man, what a wonderful opportunity that is to for for you, Dr. Mary, to learn to to relearn some stuff, right? You're you're an educator, but you also are creative, and so it's like we have to be more fluid. I, I applaud you for your fluidity. I applaud you for your willingness to unlearn some things, because I think that could be really, really tough. And your willingness to be an advocate, not just for your generation, but this really started because of um, you trying to advocate and uh, accommodate a, a generation that you were you had a you know that you were struggling with and there, there was some friction so i i applaud you for that um we talked about some some opportunities that are presenting themselves for you as far as consultant consultant um opportunities i can't think of, of a better person to come in and truly take that holistic approach as it relates to generational um inclusion so Thank you so much for your time today. This has been really good. Okay, thank you, Baxter. I totally enjoyed it. I, <laughs> and I, I'm glad to hear that maybe is, you know, part of my story was useful. So no, nice. thank you for sharing. And and um yeah, I I I won't, yeah, I feel like we could go another hour easily easily because there's so many things that I've learned today. And I have more questions now. But okay. I, I think we'll talk offline and maybe we'll, we'll bring you back. But but I just want to say thanks again um, for, for everyone that's um, watching this, listening to this. Thank you for the, the support. Please look um, up Mary Cooney on LinkedIn and connect with her. Uh, learn learn more about what she has going on. Uh, a, a, a pleasure. And um, until next time. Peace.